0: Hello there. Welcome back. Make a few little adjustments here. So happy to be back in this chair. It's comfortable. The temperature is almost perfect. And uh, the weekend is over. So it's time to get back to business. Back on the grind. On the grind, in the grind, living here. Doing things, breaking it down as usual. I got something interesting. Oh, wait, before I get into... What it is that is interesting. And there's many of those interesting things that we need to discuss. Before I do, I need to mention something. Probably the most requested thing. Willie Do's been reading it. He, he's fed up, to be honest. Because his email inbox, will at lulader.com. His inbox is a disaster. It's killing him. He's staying up late. He actually loves it, though, to be quite honest. Anyway, the number one thing that's in that inbox, it's also in the comment section, probably of this video right here, is... Lou, this thing you're doing here, this is, uh, this is basically a podcast. Where is the audio format so I can listen? I'm on the train. I'm at the gym. I'm in the airplane. I'm in my car. I'm working. I work a job where I can listen to audio uh, format podcasts. So, Lou, where is it? Where's the audio? You're slacking on us. So, anyhow, I'm not slacking anymore. Check this out. Audio only. Available now. Partially, sort of. I'm working on it. But you can head over to lulader.com right now and you can listen to every episode up until this point and going forward in the audio-only format. You can also download them. Now, as far as getting it into the other services, such as iTunes, that can take some time for approval. It's been submitted and should be approved soon. But as of right now, you can get the podcast on this website in audio-only format. You can get it on Spotify, That was a heavily requested. It's active. It's live. It's there. It's on Spotify. People like to listen to podcasts on on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. It's on TuneIn Radio. It's on a couple of others. The ones we're waiting on, iTunes, which apparently takes the longest, and they might not like some of the titles on my podcast. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe Tim is going to do the review himself. Like that particular title that Will just highlighted, suing Apple for one billion dollars. I would, I would assume you see a headline like that. You're like, let's approve that podcast because it's got to be spicy, which is great, you know. But I don't, I don't envision any problems. It's not explicit. This is all good stuff. And uh, and can you imagine once it's on iTunes? That means if officially, I've got content on Apple's platforms. Yeah, that would be a first kind of kind of thing right there. Granted, uh, as we mentioned in a previous episode, Apple buys a lot of their cloud storage from Amazon. So who knows where these files even live? Anyhow, we're waiting on iTunes and we're waiting on Google Podcasts. It's in Pocket Casts, but it has not uh, shown up in the search yet. That will be happening very soon too. So however it is that you listen to podcasts, actually, maybe you should leave a comment right now because maybe there's some obscure app that you listen to podcasts in that I should know about and don't. So leave a comment if that's the case, but expect to have this thing available everywhere that you listen to podcasts so you can get the audio format and you can download it, listen on your own accord, not waste any bandwidth in all those situations that I spoke about earlier. Lulater.com, a lot of the details are there. If you click the subscribe button, it'll take you right to the Spotify page, but I'll link whatever I can in the description of this video. And also, I guess on those platforms, you can leave reviews and ratings and things like that. So eventually when it's live, If you could please do that, uh, Willie Do would be a very happy man because apparently it affects the rankings and, and however people find podcasts. Also, you can listen here on YouTube. As usual, you can watch the video or you can use background play, which I feel like a lot of people don't know about, but I use it all the time. Now, some were saying it's a premium feature. Yes, I have it in YouTube premium, but other people who don't have YouTube premium were saying the option was enabled for them as well. So maybe YouTube's experimenting. But none of that's going to change. If you want to listen on YouTube via background play, if you have the option available, you should be able to just minimize this video and keep it playing in the background through the car, Bluetooth, and whatnot. All right, got that out of the way. Will was reminding me to talk about that. He put the image up there. So audio podcast, it lives. It's breathing. It's happening. Now, I want to talk about something. Man, going straight into it today. Will shaking his head, nodding his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. I want to go straight into... Motorola's foldable display Razer smartphone, some fresh new renders, Uh, they've emerged. We have fresh new renders of this very unusual take on the folding smartphone craze set to take over planet Earth. You may recall the Razer, we talked about it, very popular smartphone. Everybody owned one at some point, or at least a lot of people did. But of course, it was not a smartphone. It was just a regular cell phone. The new version, on the other hand, smartphone folding, but not folding the way you might expect. If these renders are to be, to be believed, which uh, they match up with some patent filings, so I'm thinking they're probably pretty real at this point, or at least close to it. Then you have a clamshell style, thing, uh, a smartphone that folds down on itself instead of, instead of in the form factor we've seen with the Galaxy Fold and the Mate X. So this becomes a very tiny little pocketable thing. You can see the uh, it looks like it comes with a docking station of some kind in this particular render. A totally different approach will be expensive, again, according to this particular leak, around $1,500 USD. Now, here's the bad piece of news if you were particularly interested in this device. If this spoke to you, either your nostalgia or just your style, Uh, this is looking like it's going to be an exclusive to U.S. carrier Verizon. Now, you know Motorola and Verizon, they've had this long history, uh, relationship together, advertising, Droid, and whatnot. But uh, it looks like that's going to be the case here if, again, this leak here via the Wall Street Journal is to be believed. So that could be fine if you're a Verizon customer and you want this. If you're not, it might be a little more complicated to pick this thing up. I don't expect it to be a powerhouse. Uh, It's a very slim light it's kind of a style oriented phone kind of like the original razer reimagined for modern times for 2019 it's kind of exciting Uh, i can't wait to check it out it also looks (coughs) it also looks crazy slim i think it's going to be like maybe it's going to be the slimmest phone maybe that's how they put the branding on it maybe that's why it's got the razer brand name because that's what it was originally with the previous version non-smartphone it was like you never saw a phone this slim But then that brings into question durability. Brings into question durability. And no one wants to mess with that with these foldable phones. So anyhow, I thought those were some pretty cool images. I know, Willie, do you probably agree with that. Mm -hmm. And it's a totally different take on a foldable smartphone. We'll see how successful it is. Uh, These images originally leaked on China's Weibo social media network. And that's where all good leaks start. At least the vast majority of them. So keep that in mind. All right, Will, you got a story for me? You give me, a, let's do a little tic tac toe. Little ABC. Okay. Little one, two, three. Little you know me. Ooh, what a tough story this one is. Yeah, it was all over the news. Pretty controversial. Okay, so uh, this is about PewDiePie and his, I guess this is his most recent upload. Now, uh, obviously, been been a huge topic of conversation uh, around the world here in the studio. Uh, You have the subscribe to PewDiePie meme, which, I mean, took over half of YouTube. He's almost at 100 million subscribers now, like super close. This is number one on trending right now, actually, this video Mm -hmm. as well. And if you scroll down, it probably will give you his subscriber figure. Where is it? Where does it tell? 95 million. So he's in this race. I'm sure you guys are aware. He's in this race with T-Series, trying to get to 100 million subscribers, the subscribe to PewDiePie thing starts a while back and it kind of like takes on this new form from the original discussion. At first, it's kind of got like a fun little vibe to it. And then the internet does what the internet does, which is it can take the cutest thing and make it evil, can't it? It can take this small little fragment and turn it into something completely different, something completely new. And, uh, and that's that's apparently what happened in this case. So PewDiePie comes out with his, his latest video and says, I want to put an end. I want to just stop this, the subscribe to PewDiePie meme. And he's being very serious. Like sometimes it's hard to tell, of course, with the comedy and whatnot. Like is it is he being sarcastic? Is it a real take? Like what exactly is going on? And uh, in this video, he shouts people out. He says, thanks for the love and so on and so forth. This was a crazy shout out, by the way, when he had the basketball team, the cheerleaders from the basketball team held up the signs. Anyway, he talks about how it kind of morphed and he really wants it to slow down now. Of course, you have the, uh, the individual in New Zealand there. I'm not even going to say his name. I'm not going to say what he did. If you know what it was, then you know what it was. The guy in New Zealand there that nobody likes, he, he uh, famously used the meme himself. He spoke the meme. And uh, more recently, I watched this video here. And more recently, apparently some people defaced some war memorials with the sub to PewDiePie meme. And it just never ends. And then it gets weird because you tell the internet to stop. And they don't care. They just go deeper, heavier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Originally discussed as the Streisand effect. You try to suppress something. It explodes. The pressure builds up. Now, we'll see what happens in his case. Because... You know his audience. You would assume has some sort of a loyalty. Maybe they're gonna listen. Maybe they're gonna. Maybe they're gonna cool off. But there will for forever be some sub- subset of individuals that want to do terrible things attached to this meme, any meme, however it is that they happen to see see it fit. But I would say this is sincere PewDiePie right here, and I I believe he would probably love it if people could move on from this particular meme. Now, granted, on the flip side. I mean, it's one thing to say it early on, it's another thing to say it after 100 million. Do
1: you mm-hmm. know what
0: I mean? Like I feel like the timing here is is really important. Like he didn't want to get to 100 million and then mess up that celebration with the weirdness around this meme. So he kind of had to come out or at least it feels it feels important now to come out and say it at this point right here. Also, in the long run, I mean T series, holy moly, billions of people. Like, what are we doing? Long run, big picture. Anyhow, we're talking about a lot of human beings, a lot of viewers, but I'm kind of with PewDiePie on this. If 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 he's feeling feeling it the way he's feeling it now and taking some personal responsibility for that meme and the way that people have used it, then hopefully we, you know, hopefully individuals can just be cool and like just chill out. Like, holy smokes. So so many aggravated people. ...on the internet and just in, in general will. They just want some kind of excuse, some kind of banner to just do something that they think is worthwhile or meaningful... ...even if it's nasty and weird and it's just like, you know, just be just be cool, be nice, be a nice human being. It's worthwhile in the long run. Invest, not in a stock market, in the people around you, some kind of task. Do something. You don't have to go deface anything. You don't have to do anything nasty. You need to treat other people the way you want to be treated. Willie, do age-old stuff. Let's stick to it. It's beautiful. It separates us as a species. Let's keep it going. All right, I got one here. Hop back into the tech scene. There's been a leak for an iPhone 10R two. Now, normally this would be not very interesting to me because the 10R wasn't even that interesting to me because it wasn't really what I expected it to be in the budget department. It was supposed to be the budget iPhone. I thought it was going to be in line to compete with Android devices like the OnePlus 6T7 coming up. But of of course, it was priced above that. Uh, But the reason it's interesting to me now is because so many people have not received this potential camera redesign of the premium model very well. A lot of people are saying that's ugly. That thing looks like a a spider. I saw somebody say it's it's triggering their arachnophobia, which is not good. Now, I don't know if I believe people on this front. I think a lot of people pick up this phone. iPhone users, once you're committed to iOS, you don't have that much choice. Maybe you can hang on to your old one a little bit longer, but at some point, you just move to the next iPhone if you're committed to iOS. So... The reason that this development with the next generation 10R or 10R2 is interesting is because it looks like based on this leak that it's going to maintain the old style 10S design. So it will get a second camera instead of the single unit that it has right now. It looks almost identical to what the 10S 10S Max currently has. The dual camera setup in the portrait orientation up and down. So now you got this weird scenario of it, okay fine, you really hate the look on the flagship model, get yourself the 10R2, and it's still going to look like your last generation, and you don't have to complain. So it's like Apple kind of hedged their bets a little bit on this one. And I think I think it's you know a weird thing about iPhone buyers. I I know people who are currently using the 10R; they don't really care. You know, you, I could sit there and look at it and be like, "How do you not want an OLED screen at that price?" But regular humans. By that, people get upset, by the way, when I say regular humans. They're like, what is Willie do and you? Are you guys not regular humans? Oh, we're absolutely, we're beyond, we're, 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 we're regular. Everybody, I mean, what I meant by that is people who are not inside of the tech space. Like, we're in a silo at times, and it really feels that way. And I think it's just being honest to recognize that silo and not pretend that everybody in the world lives their lives consumed by. Now, obviously, our community out here, they're like us. Like, if you're watching this video, you are likely an enthusiast in this particular department. But you know what I'm saying when I say regular people out in the street. It's everyone else who, to them, this type of content might not be entertainment. To to them, they want to watch, I don't know, football or whatever. Just general stuff. So that's who I'm referring to. Anyhow, point being... Apple has hedged their bets. And I think now there's a little something for everyone. They maintain the old design. They get to reutilize the parts. They, they, probably the next generation 10R is going to look a lot like the current 10s. They get to just jam it in there. Lower the price. Booyah. Apple. Money. Dollars. Printing. Printing it out. Foxconn. Assembly line. Computational photography. Portrait mode. 10R2. I'm just saying words right now. You got something else for me there, Will. What was that? A new smaller iPhone? They they might be revamping the SE. Revamp of the SE. That would be interesting. Nothing has gone smaller. We got a question on that previous podcast about a smaller smartphone. Like, why do they all have to be so gigantic? It's an interesting thought. I mean, the SE, that design, Jack loves that design. Mm -hmm. Type of things Jack did with that design? Disgusting. I said it might be cheaper than the 10R, so there's another price bracket. So, you know what? That would be interesting. I don't know if I'm betting on that one. It would be interesting. I don't know if I'm betting on it. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Because I think this is the type of thing where a lot of people talk, saying, you know, I'd love a small phone again. But, like, if it's there, are they going to put the money down when they got to look at that particular model next to the other one? I don't know. I think that's more one of those kind of, like, imaginative like wouldn't it be great in this one circumstance but when you got to put your money down and the price is very similar i doubt it you look at people's smartphone screen usage the behaviors of individuals social media are they going to want to shrink down all those experiences in exchange for but maybe they do maybe they want to take a step back yeah i gotta say i mean this render looks really nice no you're right the old industrial design the square the brick yeah simplicity it's it's uh i agree with you there's something about that design that Mm -hmm. was appealing and it kind of actually started before that it started really with the the four the four started going there like you're we're gonna have this slim brick minimalist phone look now i mean it looks crazy by today's standards with those gigantic bezels like the forehead and chin there but that thing was solid when you held it of course it had glass It was one of the first glass phones. So people were like, what do you mean? You break the front, you break the back. I actually repaired a lot of these things in the old days. So I didn't mind if people broke them. Of course I did. I didn't want people to, but you know what I'm saying. But that's where it started. That thing was a slab. And then of course that went into the 4S5 and then the SE, which kept it alive a little bit longer. But I think that particular model or that style of design is going to have a place in a lot of people's hearts, Mm -hmm. hearts and minds for a while just because so many people had experiences with it It, it's easy to grip too. somehow those straight edges when you when you held on to that device nowadays they're so slick and curvy it's a different situation now yeah ipad pro well done will he just brought up some pictures of the ipad pro again they kind of went back Mm -hmm. backwards in design language a little bit okay i got another one here uh, since we're on the uh, subject of Apple, this is my last Apple topic, and then we're moving on. We got we got other stuff. It can't just be Apple. I know we're showing Apple a lot of love, but we are trying to get on the iTunes uh, podcast directory. So, Tim Cook he emailed me. He said, "Listen, there has in this podcast you have to have at least, you know, the first six minutes, eight minutes Apple talk. Mm-hmm. If so, you're you're in, you're into the podcast directory. This is not true." Do not uh, write that down or replay that. I, Tim Cook did not. None of that happened. But anyway, last Apple story. Apple may include a USB-C charger and lightning cable in the box with the new iPhones. The faster 18-watt charger is included in the box with the new iPad Pro model. So maybe Apple is finally going to give you something for your money. Holy smokes, took long enough. Up until this day, you could spend $1,000 on an iPhone, okay? And you get this slow, tiny little power brick. And Apple tried to defend it. They said, but it's so portable. It's so cute. That's a garbage excuse. As much as I like traveling with those tiny little bricks, I'm not going to substitute that for a way slower charge. That's insane. So this brick that Will's showing off in this image right here, uh, it comes with the iPad Pro. It works with the current generation of iPhones. It's just Apple doesn't really discuss it. And because it's not in a box, a lot of users don't even know that they could be quick charging their iPhone. You could do it right now by going and buying this brick independently as an accessory and an adapter cable. But by the time you've done all that, you're like 80 bucks deep. It's crazy. By the time you got to, it's like, look at that, 48 bucks. Okay, 48 bucks plus tax. It's more in Canadian dollars, which is why I said like 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Anyway, I think this is bogus. I think that they should totally include a fast charge cable and power brick. That's my opinion. So if the rumor is that they're going to ditch that little five watt cube and go this direction, I'm happy about it. I think Apple fans should be happy about it as well. It should be the other way. Like you get this in the box and if you want the tiny little travel ta- travel brick, you pay 19 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And then you can have both. But not the one way. The one way is too convenient for Apple. They give me less. Charging me more and just claiming it's a convenience factor. I don't buy it. Okay, next up. This is Jack. Jack actually showed me this story. If you can believe that. He's out there. He's reading. And uh, he's a busy guy. He's switching angles right now. Got the headphones on. He took Kirk's spot. He looks uh, uncomfortable right now. He's sitting very upright. He's trying to move. There he is. Oh, he's waving to the lens. Wow. (laughs) Lots of fun. Fun social environment here in the HQ. Samsung announces a new vertical TV targeting millennials. I guess there's got to be some millennials in the crowd. Am I a millennial? What's a millennial? I am I'm a millennial. Shoulda known. Everyone hates uh, millennials, so I would like to, you know, if you look at the amount of hate that I receive, I must be a millennial. Samsung made a vertical TV for watching smartphone videos. It's called the Sero, Cero. Cero? The funny thing is it's targeted at millennials to watch vertical video, but it's $16,000. So it's like, not only are you a millennial, you got to be a rich millennial. So you got to be like super millennial. You just got to be really all up in it. You know, well, waiting in line for brunch, special outfit, uh, a mustache. uh, Well... a toque but it's like on the top of the head like it doesn't go all the way down Mm -hmm. um some kind of denim somewhere yeah some kind of denim somewhere anyway yeah so that's you (laughs) and you got sixteen thousand dollars to spare and you need to watch your instagram and snapchat videos in vertical mode there you go honestly though this thing is kind of cool because it does rotate so It can go from portrait to landscape. It's also got NFC, so you can just tap your phone and instantly start broadcasting your phone interaction to the bigger display. But I mean, it's just insane at that price. Like, what are we actually, who are these millennials? What does Samsung think is going on out here? Or is this one of those things where they just showcase this next generation design and then eventually it gets an affordable price? Maybe that's what it is. But uh, if if there's millennials out there that are just dropping 16 Gs on portrait TVs, I want to meet them. I want to hang out. There's probably some upside there. You might get to swig the bottom of a champagne bottle or something if you hang out with those types of millennials. Well, you need to find these people. Yeah, you know, it's cool anyway. One plus seven. Have you heard of it? Did you know it was coming out? Yeah, you heard about it. One plus. On. I mean, they got a name going now. Now people, they've actually got their very own hype. It's hard to believe. They're on they're on number seven, and that's including T models. Like, holy! I remember when OnePlus started with all those terrible marketing campaigns, and I was like, "What are they doing? What are these weird marketing campaigns?" Now they got they got great products that I recommend all the time, and the seven might very well be the same thing. And it looks like there's going to be this Pro model, OnePlus Seven Pro, and it's going to have a three times optical zoom, so an actual optical zoom on a OnePlus device it will have a 48-megapixel primary camera and a three-times optical zoom. They put out some sample photos today. That's the article right there, I think. Oh, maybe that's not it. If you, you type camera samples, Will, you can show people some of the early samples that OnePlus claims were shot on the optical zoom via the OnePlus 7. Pictures look pretty good. Zoom seems to be the thing now on smartphones. Like Zoom seems to be what people are striving for, a differentiating factor. People are talking about optical zoom, hybrid, and uh, I guess it's just one of these ways, since we've been talking so much about how the smartphone game is so iterative, and it's kind of slowed down in terms of big scale changes. Now it's like, let's add lenses, let's get some reach, let's put some zoom. So zoom is the thing, and it's going to be the thing on the OnePlus 7 Pro, and there are some sample images, which you can go check out if you like. Moving a little bit away from consumer tech into the realm of emerging tech, I would like to talk about a story I found. Researchers develop a device that translates brain signals into speech. This is crazy cool. This is the type of technology stuff that really gets my juices flowing because it solves, I mean, it's just it's a science fiction type of problem that you have the potential to solve with a huge impact on some people's lives. Nothing iterative about this. This is a game-changing type of technology. So the way that it works is it taps into the, the brain piece, the brain component of speech. And for a lot of people with, with neurological issues, that is actually, the, the breakdown is not in the brain, but instead it's the transmission from the brain to the, to the lips, to the larynx, and all the various other pieces that are involved in speech. And what this aims to do is to provide a synthesis, a synthetic voice. Kind of think of like uh, who was the astrophysicist, Stephen Hawking. Except without triggering it via a typical input method like typing or something else. Or he had like, in in his case, he had a little almost uh, like Morse code type of thing that he tapped. But imagine if you could have your own synthetic voice in the absence of your own by thinking words in a traditional fashion and then having that said through a speaker. So now, I mean, you're basically just talking without your mouth. It's pretty incredible. So there's this little contraption which they implanted into people's minds. Uh, The researchers implanted electrodes into the brains of five patients with epilepsy to record the signals generating from the vocal tract movements as they spoke over 100 sentences those signals are then fed to a computer model of the human vocal system and then the synthesis is generated in that fashion there's a cool demonstration there's a video showcasing how the language the thought of language the idea of saying something like we take it for granted but then how that gets translated into a synthetic version it's really amazing and uh very cool check one more thing will before i let you have at it because i know you're getting sick and tired and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired but this one i just gotta i just gotta get to it because it's kind of crazy you may have heard uh measles are making a comeback this is not this is not tech this is kind of tech vaccines are human technology in a way measles are making a comeback what 2019 that's right measle cases in the u.s climbed to 704 as the disease spreads amongst unvaccinated people this is pretty wild this this thing this uh, anti-vaccination thing appears to be appears to be legit it's act it's actually happening the CDC confirmed 704 cases the largest number of measles cases since 1994 and the vast majority of those individuals that got measles uh, Are unvaccinated themselves this vaccination is so easy and simple it takes two seconds and the vaccination is responsible for most of this disease being eradicated and uh, people are all confused people think they know better well they what did they they read a facebook page it's like the uh, anti-vaxxer that's what it is it's a whole community and these are the consequences like it's uh, it's kind of crazy actually how these things can progress and escalate. If you scroll down a little bit, you can see a chart there. You can see it's 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 zooming straight up. It's uh you know, usually around a, between 100 and 200 cases. We're at 700 already in 2019. So, this thing is progressing at a rapid pace. I mean, it could be like 10x on the, on the on the previous year and if you then multiply for next year and so on, you could have a real problem emerging and now, now granted if you read the whole article that this was like this really affected a particular community of individuals and they think that maybe that's why it escalated more rapidly than usual but anyway i don't it's a weird segment but i'm just like if i can say anything about this like go go just it's a quick shot just do it it's it's a, it's a quick little shot it's scientifically proven it's a pretty straightforward situation So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm playing my part here, eradicating measles. Well, it was almost eradicated. What are we doing? We're bringing it back now. This is insane. All right, Will, you got anything else you want to add to the conversation? I'm sure you do. Yeah, just a quick one. Okay. Artificial intelligence can detect PTSD in your voice. Whoa, that's really cool. So according to the New New York Times, SRI and NYU spent five years developing a voice analysis program that understands human speech but can detect PTSD signifiers and emotions. The New York Times reports and this is the same process that teaches automated customer service programs how to deal with angry call- callers by listening for minor variables and auditory markers that would be imperceptible to the human ear. That is really cool. So this is heavy-duty analysis. This is a r- rapid algorithmic stuff. It's looking for small discrepancies and markers in your voice that would usually be associated with this type of disorder, PTSD. So if you, you know, that little wavering, I mean, that's perceptible. If, you're, if, you're, if your voice wavers a little bit, maybe you're not feeling so well, but that would be perceptible. This is even below that. It's sub that. It's like, researchers interviewed and recorded 129 war zone exposed veterans and gathered 40,000 speech samples to study. They then used the audio to teach the AI which vocal changes correlated with diagnosis of PTSD. A slower more monotonous cadence was an indicator of ptsd as well as a shorter tonal range with less enunciation they're talking about dave 2d right there <laughs> i was thinking about me oh like, you uh... oh you no dave's always mad at me dave's always <laughs> mad at me specifically because he comes on a show and i'm i'm a million million miles a minute and words and w pm it's a lot of wpm actually Uh, especially when he's here. I'm just, you know, I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. It's Dave2D. Yeah, we're all excited. It's Dave2D. He's got lots to talk about. And so I'm just hitting him with the onslaught. And he's like, hey, man, take a breath. Give me some space. And especially his audience, because I was on his channel for one video. And they're like, hey, hey, man, you back off. You take a break, sir. So... It's a lot of fun, though. You know, I'm me. Dave's Dave is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. uh, But he does have PTSD, obviously. And I'm I'm probably partially to blame. That's not even funny. I don't even want to joke about it. This is actually cool. Because what this means is for individuals who might not feel comfortable, particularly someone suffering with something like PTSD, they might not feel comfortable fully exposing their psychology to a traditional psychologist, psychiatrist. Now they could be like, look, you just... We're just going to record some of your speech. You just have a normal conversation. You don't have to share any war stories or anything sensitive. And then they could say, hey, you know, based on our analysis, we feel like you could benefit from this treatment method or whatever it might be. So that's very cool. And if they, if it, if they can base it on real data, people suffering from this, that could be a very powerful type of tool. So I like mm-hmm. that. Well done, Will. Futurism.com. Cool site. Never heard of it. Willie do, ladies and gentlemen getting it done so did you bring some questions today yep okay cool let's do some questions let's do a couple questions (laughs) lou i recently found your page about two months ago and i've been watching a ton of your videos oh thank you very much sir sergio they are great you don't talk about your life or anything that much oh okay my go-to question for many people is what is your all-time favorite movie i'm a big very big in movies and i think you can learn a lot from a person what kind of movies and tv shows they watch Thank you for reading. My favorite movie is so difficult, isn't it, guys? You know this question. This is harder than the pizza question. From last episode, it's the one that you want to watch over and over. Yeah, I know. I know. No, I know the question. Will I'm very familiar with the question. If (laughs) I was Jack, we'd already be done with this question. He has no problem with this. By the way, in case you're wondering, Jack's favorite movie is um, uh, Titanic. (laughs) I'm joking. It's uh, The Shining, right, Jack? Mm-hmm. He's nodding real happily over there. Uh, I got to pick a gangster movie, but it's very hard. Like, I go back and forth. Uh, Godfather, Casino, Goodfellas. Like, I live in that space. That was formative. I loved watching gangster movies at one point in my life. I mean even more recent ones, The Departed, I love The Departed. We'll bring up the gangster movies. I mean even with Godfather, it's hard to pick between number 1 and number 2 to be honest. It's really hard. I mean there's so many there's so many great movies out there. It's really this is so tough to talk about. But it's like around the holiday season, you get some Godfather on TV. You know what I mean? You get it up there on the screen. Something about it. I mean, I like Pulp Fiction. City of God was a good movie. Will's, Will's got uh, what are considered to be gangster movies up here on the screen. I like Snatch. Um, there's some great, there's just some great movies out there, lots to watch. But uh, my vote is to head into the gangster realm. We talked about Taxi Driver the other day. That's not a gangster movie, but I really like Taxi Driver. Oh, that era, that's kind of the era. That, that era is my wheelhouse. It might be a little old school. For some individuals in the audience. But take a dive back. If you're at at all into it. Then uh, I'd say it's worthwhile. Also Scorsese. De Niro. Pacino working on a project for Netflix currently. Huge budget. So if you're looking for something fresh. In the gangster movie territory. Netflix exclusive. I think they're pumping like 100 million dollars into it. It's supposed to be very exciting. Who knows. Could be a debacle. Could be exciting. Could be interesting. Uh, Time will tell. We gotta wait and see. Lou, why do you think Apple and iOS are so popular? Especially in the United States. I personally use Android, but pretty much all of my friends use Apple devices. So, momentum. Absolutely, momentum. When you're the first mover in a particular space, oh my goodness gracious, people underestimate the momentum associated with that. When Apple launched that very first iPhone, it was transformative. It was a shift, complete shift in the marketplace. And... What that meant is it allowed other things to develop alongside the the App Store, iTunes, uh, the accessories, the other Apple products that sort of tapped into it uh, but, but like I remember when it was a big deal in the early days of iPhone that you could find a lot of case options. You could find a lot of bl- uh, not Bluetooth speakers it was before people were using Bluetooth speakers a lot, but docking style speakers available to you if you were an iPhone user. In those days, adoption was the difficult part, like just getting people onto smartphones because a lot of people were like, I don't know, I don't want want to spend the money. They they were staring at some much more massive telecommunications bills if they were going to transition. So they wanted that purchase to be rock solid and to have an ecosystem around it. And of course, it helps when the products are good. This was the first time we saw this really integrated system where you had the software hardware manufactured by the same company like they had been doing with computers, but now on mobile. And at that time, the big players in the space moving mobile products were like Nokia. And uh, obviously this was a huge shift away from that. So because of that, they they owned some space, some real estate in our hearts and minds from that point forward. If you go to other parts of the world, you know, I've been to India, for example, China, where Apple didn't have that initial shift where they weren't responsible for that initial shift but instead these technologies took hold a little bit later once you had Android playing the game they don't have the same relationship with Apple that exists here in North America, US specifically and now the services angle has become, it's entrenched people even deeper in a sense that you get people talking about I can't leave iMessage or I use Apple Music or whatever it might be. And so those that were already inside the ecosystem, it's becoming harder for them to escape. So that's another reason why it's, it remains popular in the United States. But if you look at the global market share, the same story isn't true. Now, I, now I haven't even covered the topic of the devices themselves. And so I think a lot of people would be like, well, well, Lou, isn't it possible to just make amazing stuff? Well, yeah, you got to do that too. You got to make good stuff too. But one thing I will say, I've been using the iPhone. People follow Unbox Therapy channel. You saw the video. It's kind of funny. It was a bit of a joke. So relax already, of course, but a bit of a joke. Uh, but I put my SIM card back in an iPhone for the first time in a very long time. And the thing that strikes me, I, I, you can see some of my recent devices, with the exception of the Galaxy Fold, because that was way different. But like before that, I was using the P30 Pro. And then before that, I was using the Galaxy S10. And then before that, what was it? It was something a lot like that. Was it the... Gosh, how can I not even remember? It's so many smartphones. Was it a OnePlus device before that? <coughs> before the Galaxy S10? It doesn't even matter. The point I'm trying to make here is that what has struck me on this recent shift to the latest iPhone, the iPhone 10s Max, after having not used an iPhone for a while, is that they're not that different. Like That's the truth of the matter. As much as we want to yell and scream at each other, it's like a lot of places where human beings create differences with one another and and, and amplify the differences between them. It's like, man, we're at such a lucky point in, in technology history right now where it's like, I could use this or I could use a Pixel or I could use an S10 and my life is not really alt. I mean, I know people out here, they're like talking about iMessage and, but Airdrop is so, but it's like crazy how fired up people can get about this slim type of difference when on the day to day, the actual user experience is so similar. And, 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 I mean, really what this comes down to is how far Android has come. Because truthfully, there was a head start, like I just mentioned. And now you have, you have these things essentially operating at the, same, at the same level, in my opinion, that I can transition between them and not really feel terrible about it. Uh, iOS, I would say, has gotten a bit, a bit better in some departments. One place it still kills me is in notifications. I still, I'm not, you know, but, but, but does it change my day? Do I walk around with a frown on? Do I uh, decide not to get out of bed and open the blinds because my notifications are messed? Do I jump on some video and scream at somebody? Because of it? No. I don't, I don't really do that. I think we're, very, we're in a great time right now from a technology perspective. The customer is really winning and having a lot of choices. And this is part of the reason why we keep coming back to cost. People get mad. I say, don't buy a particular phone. Usually I'm telling people not to buy a particular phone just because of price. I'm not saying it's not good. Because we have nothing left, no other way left to differentiate these things once they all get good. We have Marquez in here talking about smartphone cameras. People picked the Phone. On social media, stuff has gotten good, and so that's why we end up talking about price because it's like, otherwise, we're talking about these fractional little slim differences between these products, and it can get hard, and it can be pointless. Some of those conversations, you can go round and round and get nowhere, just, just bouncing around in this chaos, and you get people on social media that they'll just be so adamant that like one platform is the only place they can live. News flash, if, if you dropped your iPhone in a toilet and somebody gave you a Pixel, you would live. And you would figure it out and you'd be happy with it. You'd be fine. And same vice versa. You might be a little bit more happy, a little bit less, but it's like, this stuff is great right now. For real, it's a great time. Anyway, I think that's a good note right there. Enjoy your technology. I know I do. And I continue to. And uh, and that's a, that's an optimistic point of view right there. It's like the best is yet to come. Folding phones, maybe they're not ready. We'll see what Motorola does. In the meantime, keep using your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, whatever suits you, whatever floats your boat. And we'll be back again real soon.